Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your podcast for all things that relate to supporting your business clients. We try to strive to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. I interview friends in the industry, vendors in the industry, and talk about all things related to helping us do exactly that. Today, I have a new friend on the show. Ann Westerheim is in the house. Ann, how are you? I'm I'm doing really well, and thanks for having me, Marv. All right. Uh, I should probably let people know that you and I met, oh, what was it, about a month ago? Maybe more. Uh, we were on a panel together talking about how to sell cybersecurity. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun with uh, Jennifer Bleem yes. and the, the folks uh, from Channel Program. Yeah. And um, I'm always amazed. I love meeting people in the MSP community because I really find that this is a community of people who are really looking to help other people. Lots of support. Yeah. Always fun to chat with somebody new. All right. Well, that's what we're going to do today. And let's first get some logistics out of the way so that people know. Let's start first where you are because you're up in the Northeast, although you support a big part of the country, but you're up in, you're out, where is it? Outside of Boston? Yeah, so we're in the Boston suburbs, northwest of the city, about 45 minutes out when, when there's not Boston traffic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we support mostly clients in the area, but many of our clients have locations in other parts of the country as well. But we're primarily regional around around this area. Okay. But, so northwest suburbs is kind of our, our big footprint. And I probably should have asked you before we even got started how to pronounce your company name because I'll probably butcher it. Ikaru? That, that's very good. Okay, great. So that is the name of the company, and, and it is your company, right? Yeah, I started this, um, started as a consulting company many years, many years back. So um, I used to work in the semiconductor industry. So I've, my, my background is in engineering, worked in the semiconductor industry a number of years, and our uh, division of digital was acquired by Intel, which was a that was a rough transition. Uh, not a good. I hope the culture is great at Intel now, but it was really bad back then. I figured, OK, I'm going to leave and become a consultant. And I didn't even know what I was going to do. So that's why people always always ask me, what does the name Ikaru mean? Doesn't I just came up with a short domain name, E for engineering, education, things I'm excited about. And I figured I was just going to consult in technology for a few years. Okay. So I, I just had a new question pop in my head. So I, I did know that you started in engineering, but I didn't know that you had a doctorate in engineering. So was this all part of that, you know, semiconductor days? Yeah. So I did, um, actually, I did my PhD research in high temperature superconductors are used for very, uh, say, fast devices, then... Um, I thought you were going to say, like, the space shuttle or something. <laughs> yeah, so... And then um, worked in industry and adva advanced development. So, as you know, integrated circuits, you keep making them small, smaller and smaller. All the dimensions get super tiny. So, um, I, I was very specialized in that area. So, you know, it was kind of, a you know, like a lot of people, like, trying to transition what I do. I built a lot of career capital and had a lot of you know, publications, patents, and um, I knew that I was not going to spend the next 30 years of my career at Intel. 
And so I just sort of felt like jumping out of an airplane and I've never been skydiving, but um, yeah, basically just started something completely new. And um, because I knew that wasn't going to work for me um, at that time, we would be expected to travel months at a time. Oh. And that was just not something. And it, it's, uh, I know it's tough for dad to do that, but it's, it doesn't work for mom to disappear for months at a time. So, uh, probably not. I, that would probably no. be a hardship <laughs> on most dads since we, we can't function, you know, more than a couple of days by ourselves yeah. most of the time. So, let yeah. Me, so, yeah. Let and let that's, um, you know, it, it's really tough to give up career c- capital, but I think some, there's points in your life where you have to look at, okay, where do I want to be headed? Right. Now, did they try to keep you? Because I have to imagine that somebody as specialized as what, you know, I see in your, you know, your background, how did they let you go? Um, yeah, they, they wanted me to stay, <laughs> but um, it, it was just crystal clear to me that it was not, um, that was not what I wanted to do for years to come. Okay. Um, and, uh you know, it's funny because I've, I've thought about it many times over the year. I, I like the freedom of being a consultant. Now, we, you know, we've built up. We have an MSP. I didn't even start doing IT work. So I wasn't like a lot of people have IT jobs and they said, I'm going to start an MSP company. It was literally I'm doing engineering consulting. I called friends I knew from grad school. I consulted in a number of different things and then kind of realized there was this giant space of, you know, where does all the technology go? And that was really fascinating to me. Thousands of patents being generated by big tech every year. Well, where does it all wind up? Mm. Now, go back 20 years and, uh, you know, high-speed internet was just a new thing. So if you're the, the local accounting office, like how do you consume technology? How do you, how do you benefit from technology? How do you use technology to help you compete? And I thought that was just a really great area to work in and uh, built, built the team over the years um, but it, but it was really tough. Uh, it, it's, um, I, I think very personally difficult to change gears mm. like that. So you started out consulting in areas not related to it. So can, I know, I know that you said you just kind of made that transition, but how did you make that transition? Was there something that clicked or was there an opportunity that became available? Or did somebody ask you for an IT-related project? How, how did that actually happen? Um, in terms of, so when I started consulting, I, I literally just called up people I knew. So I had a friend who was a very successful HR consultant, something I didn't know anything about. But I thought like, wow, she's just got the perfect life. Um, working with clients she wants to work with and, you know, really uh, making an impact at different places. And I thought like, well, that seems like the ideal life. Okay. Now, obviously anybody who's become a consultant, you, you got to get clients and that's, but initially I just, I knew a lot of people. So I, um, one of my early, um, consulting arrangements with a, um, uh, called the fabulous semiconductor company and work with them. That was semiconductor related work back then in, in terms of getting out and, and, and getting clients. Um, and that was something just totally different for me. Like, joining the chamber of commerce. Like I didn't really even, um, I had no idea of how many small businesses there were. Like it, it, like it, I thought it was just totally amazing. Like even on the the road where our office is located, there's, I I don't know, like at least a hundred businesses just up and down this road. And you almost like when you work in the corporate world, it's almost like you don't know they exist. 
but it is half the U.S. economy. And uh, so this, um, I just think that's a, an amazing thing. And it sort of just opened up my eyes, like this world I didn't know about and, and, and didn't even see. Well, we notice the small businesses when we, you know, go out to eat. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, you know, the mom but, and pops. And, but, yeah, and I would almost challenge anybody to just, just think about all the businesses that are located in your town. You know, here in suburban Boston, there's a bunch of medical offices right around here, a couple of dentist offices, <laughs> banks and credit unions, all yeah. the restaurants. There, um a ton of businesses. A ton of, ton of businesses. Yeah. Now, as you started to get out there and, you know, market yourself, network, um, it sounds like you kind of developed your niche, I guess, as you went. So was there like a particular, you know, vertical that you got involved with or a certain type of business that, you know, got you going? I think as a, as a lot of medical offices started using electronic medical records, they really needed a big overhaul in technology. Okay. So that sort of, we didn't purposely um, address that area, but that was an area where there was a really big need. So that's where we had the best match. And it was very much um, like, like way out of my comfort zone for me because I'm used to doing sort of hardcore engineering stuff. And then, you know, just getting out to the Chamber of Commerce and learning what's about and talking to different businesses and trying to understand, you know, how do they operate? What do they need? Uh, way out of my comfort zone, but I love learning new things all the time. So I just find it fascinating that, um, you know, how, how does an accounting office market their business? What, what technology do they use? I, I, I just I just find that really interesting. All right. Uh, I want to go back quickly to the semiconductor because where I grew up was considered the space coast. So we were south of Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach, and oh, yeah. across the river were a lot of space-related industries. Harris Semiconductor was there and some others that I don't remember at the time. So were you dealing with you know, any of those types of companies, organizations with the chip and integration and all that sort of stuff. Is that the type of semiconductor that uh, you were talking about? Uh, well, we were making microprocessors. Okay. So it's like um, you know, core computing uh, capabilities. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned the defense industry because I just started reading a book called Chip War. It's either Chip War or Chip Wars. I don't remember, but um, the history of, of the industry and the defense industry really fueled a lot of the early work because people didn't even think like that you'd have a personal computer. It's like, well, if you had a personal computer, what would you do with it? Right. You know, you, know, you put a computer in your kitchen and do what? Um, so that whole industry, uh, I, I think the defense industry really fueled a lot of advancements and then created the opportunity for the consumer industry, the, the, uh, the space race, uh, you know, really put a timer on it to, to make things happen. But um, in the early days, it, chips could be sold for pretty high do dollar value to the military. Getting it, in, getting chips into consumer devices, suddenly have to make something for a tenth of the cost. Right. Um, yep, I, I remember those days. I remember the. Uh, I think my first was the IBM PC two eighty eighty six or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
I had word processors before that. So basically when I got the uh, IBM, it was like, oh, you just bought yourself a more expensive word processor. Yeah, and that's, um, yeah, one of the great early applications that you could make these amazing looking publications right on your, your desktop and format yeah. and the bold and the uh, things you couldn't do with a typewriter right back in the day. So um, it, it, it's, and it's, it's funny to think about it. It is. I remember what it was the, some of the first things I did. So I did create those banners back when you had the dot matrix printers and you, oh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. create a banner across seven, eight, 10 pages and then rip off the sides. <laughs> yeah. Ripping off the side. That, that was always so satisfying. <laughs> Just kind of score it a little bit and it all peel off. And yeah, that's one thing I miss about older technology. Really? Stuff like that? Yeah, just when you mention it, just the, the satisfaction of tearing off the little the feeder on the side of the page. Well, I guess especially <laughs> if you were able to get it completely off without having that one little piece stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's focus uh, now a little more to the present. So you've got the company. You've, you've been in business now, is it 20-plus years? Yeah, about 20 years. So I started when my son was a baby. So he's graduated from college right now and, uh, you know, so just grew the business organically. It was, um, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, uh, I want to work on things that are interesting for me. Um, we've built up a really great team over the years. So yeah, it's, it's kind of shocking how fast time flies, but here we are. Here we are. So I should probably spell out the name for people that are listening by audio. Of course, the link and name will be in the show notes, Ikaro, E-K-A-R-U. And if you go to Ikaro.com, you basically show yourselves as an IT services company, help desk, uh, cybersecurity, which when we talked about the show, that seems to be a big emphasis for you guys. And I'm assuming that in the medical field, that kind of has been there for a while. So is Am I reading that correctly? Is cybersecurity one of the big focuses? Yeah, I mean, we refer to ourselves as a, a security first MSP or an MSP plus. Um, we're not an MSSP, so we don't have our own SOC. We partner with other companies for that. But um, having done a lot of work in the, with medical clients where they have HIPAA regulations, uh, security has always been kind of front and center for that. And we've been doing a newsletter for many, many, many years. And it, it's funny, I could go back to really old ones and like, yep, patch Tuesday, you know, still <laughs> Microsoft sending out those patches. And I've had clients tell me like, it's so boring. Stop talking about patches. But that, that's the foundation of security. And you can't really, you know, try to help a, a, a business with technology and say, oh, you know, we're going to put in, you know, the fastest computers and the best networking, the best switches and everything. And oh, and by the way, you're going to be shut down because, uh, got malware, ransomware, or whatever. So I, th I think that the security is really integral to it. And a lot of, and it's, I think it's a giant need in the industry. And it's also a giant opportunity for folks who can decipher, okay, what's a smart and affordable security technology stack for a small business? Because they don't have multi-million dollar enterprise budgets to do everything. But if you do a few smart and affordable things, you can really help secure a business, make sure it has resilience and can survive the inevitable somebody clicking on something they're not supposed to. Right. 
So down here in Florida, I have a little bit of an added advantage when it comes to talking about cybersecurity and what it means to a business. Uh, when we talked about it on the panel, I mentioned that you know nobody thinks twice about getting insurance or beefing up the protection for you, their home or their automobile. But for some reason, when it comes to their business, eh, we don't need that. And I explained to the people, well, what's going to happen when that hurricane comes? Or what's going to happen when one of your staff people click on that link that they're not supposed to? One, we haven't educated them. And two, we haven't protected the computer. So we have to do that. So once we talk about, you know, protection in that sense, um, they kind of understand that, you know, the things that we do for cybersecurity is kind of like insurance for their network, the way that home insurance is for their house, auto insurance for their car, life insurance for the life, you know, it's yeah. just something they have to think about. Uh, how has that been for you over the years? Because for most businesses, it's kind of a new phenomenon that they have to think about this over the last few years. Yeah, I, I think to a lot of small businesses, they'll say, oh, well, who's out? who wants our data? Who's out to get us? And criminals just, they want money and anybody with money is a potential victim for them. Uh, the insurance regulations, now that insur- you know companies do want to get insured, I think it's kind of been a wake-up call for folks to say, okay, oh, we actually have to do things to protect ourselves so we can be insurable. Um, you know, with respect to getting, you know, Florida and hurricane insurance, you know, really under- understanding coverage and knowing, you know, hurricane versus, well, gee, you don't have flood insurance, <laughs> but you have, yep. like, a lot of damage from hurricanes is actually flooding. Um, but but it is funny. I was talking to somebody this week. Like, what we do is challenging because if you go, I, I don't know, to an orthopedic surgeon, you have a problem with your knee. The doctor's going to say, "This is how um, I recommend surgery," and this is, you know, the doctor's going to do the surgery the way they're going to do it. But with us, it's like we have to explain to them, you know, well, here's how all the knee, the cartilage is connected to the bones, is connected to the mud, like. It's almost like we have to explain everything right. to folks like all the time. And I would, you know, I'd never go to a surgeon and say, no, 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 I want you to do the incision like this. And then I want like, you don't just tell them what to do, but yet I think we have a long way to go because folks aren't really there yet to accept like, yeah, the cyber risk, it's real. It does impact small business. Um, you know, we've been looking at this a really long time and this is what we recommend. Uh, there's still, there's a big gap there. Well, there's a big gap. And the fact that most surgeries you're not going to see described on YouTube, the way that most computer things are on YouTube when they can just go and, you know, Google. And now with the, uh, you know, the addition of AI, they could just simply go out and, Hey, how can I protect my network without needing an MSP? Yeah. um, That's a joy for us. Yeah. Well, I I think if we're doing things right, we're making life easier for folks. So I have a slide that I show to clients and you've probably seen these online where it's like an eye chart of all the different cybersecurity products that one protects for this or does that. And, you know, it's in one point font and there's a thousand plus things listed on there. What we say is, you know, we we kind of drill that all down to a smart and affordable solution set that's consumable for small business. And then then, then you're adding value to the client because, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we struggle, it just technology is amazing. When you understand actually how it works, it's it's just a miracle that anything ever works. But 
Um, I, I just think it's, uh, if you can make it easier for a business to say, okay, I'm not going to go research a thousand things and, you know, maybe I pick the right one, maybe I pick the wrong one. I'm going to find a team that, you know, cares about the local community, cares about my business. And, and they've gone off and they're going to the conferences and doing the homework and studying this and learning how to use the tools. Cause I want to focus on, you know, what, whether it's accounting, medicine or whatever, law, whatever the small business wants to focus on. And then I think we could do a good job because um, trying to go out for, fo- it's like, you know, giving yourself a hair, you know, your own haircut. It, it's just, it's a lot easier to have, now, have a professional do now, it. <laughs> now, easy on the hair t- cut conversation there. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's no video with this, but you know, I, I do my own hair now. It's that easy. <laughs> so, Doing a uh, good job. But, uh, um, yeah, so I think if um, it, it's a challenge because we do need this is all new for folks and it's stuff like why why does a you know ten person company need to spend money on cybersecurity protection? Hey, we didn't have to do it five years ago. You know why do we have to do this now? You know you keep asking us we got to keep spending more and doing more and these all these tools interfere with our work and unless either they have an event or they know somebody who's had a cyber event. And then all of a sudden it completely changes, like lock everything down, put in all the protection. Um, but until it's real, it's just another annoying expense. Yeah. Kind of like a sickness, you know, you don't worry about, you know, cancer until somebody in your yeah. family or a friend has it and dies from it or something yeah. like that. So, well, let's use that as a segue to talk about your book. So you've recently published a book called Cybersecurity for Main Street, Cyberfit in 21 Days. Now, is some of the things that we talked about today, is that what's in that book? Yeah. So it's um, I basically tried to distill 21 things to do because I wanted it to fit in a nice number, but just to make something that was accessible for anybody. So this is for the cyber 90, you know, the 99% don't have the big budgets and don't have, you know, a whole corporate IT team and a security team uh, designated by their board and um, just to try to make it approachable so folks aren't intimidated by the different um, different concepts. So it's, it's things like keeping your tech up to date. Yeah, security patches are free. Just <laughs> install them. You know, make sure you're rebooting so they fully take effect. Uh Strong passwords and, you know, what happens if you don't have a strong password? So I tried to explain everything in just plain English uh, because I really want to motivate people to participate in cybersecurity. So that's why I did CyberFit in 21 Days, kind of like a diet book. You can read every diet book in the world, but you actually have to take action and do something uh, to, to get healthier. And you actually have to participate and do something about cybersecurity to get more secure. So that's kind of the play on it. The whole cyber fit thing is it's kind of, it, it's, it's like a diet book or you know, here's a program, follow the program. You can do one thing a day and no such thing as hundred percent security. But if you follow this program, you're going to be a lot more secure. I was going to say, it looks like it's kind of designed to be that, you know, challenge list, you know, you know, get cyber fit in 21 days. Here are the steps. And now I don't have a copy of the book, but I have kind of perused on the Amazon 
Uh, it's in my cart. I'll I'll get that ordered uh, soon. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to send you. I'll send you an autograph copy. Oh, oh, autographed. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to put that on the on the wall back here and be special. But I was going to say, it's actually set up in 21 separate chapters. So is each chapter one of these checklists, or is that something different at the very end? Um, No, each each chapter is a segment. So there's one on keeping your technology up to date. And it just explains, like, what's Patch Tuesday? Why why does software have to be patched? And it's not just Microsoft. It's your iPhone. It's, It's everything. And that's just each... And, and I even have cartoons. Oh, pictures. So I, I licensed one of my favorite cartoonists, uh, Randy Glassberg, who does really great tech cartoons. So it's just, it's it's meant to be lighthearted. And then just master one concept. Like, And I want people to say, oh, I get it. That's what that annoying thing is on my computer. You have updates. Like, it's, it's free and it's helping me. Yep. I'm going to cheerfully say yes now. Nice. Now, it... It sounds like the book is actually geared towards small business, but is this something that you would recommend that us as IT professionals, managed service providers, should we also get this book as a guideline to help us talk to our customers? Yeah, I think it definitely helps um, any technology provider talk to customers because we all, all, all us techies, we love all the buzzwords, the acronyms and all that, Right. And what our clients need to know is, okay, well, what what does it mean for me? And can you just explain this in plain English for me? So I think it definitely can help there. And it's also for individuals as well. Just um, uh, got a nice review online from a senior citizen who, uh, just because sadly, a lot of seniors are are victims of, a, of attacks. And, and so like, oh, this really explained a few things. For so uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that everybody go through it, and I, I really um, very strongly believe that the concept of security requires your participation is really important. And we see this on insurance questionnaires. Folks want to, insurance companies now want to know if somebody's doing if if companies are doing a cybersecurity awareness program with their employees. And there's a lot of efforts right now. The government is setting guidelines and there's initiatives for design with security in mind. But people still will always need to participate. And, you know, you can go spend a lot of money. And if you want to have a, you know, three character password, because that way I know I can always remember that three character password. You just kind of blew it. <laughs> three characters. I mean, that's shorter than password. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, you did mention it. People are always the weakest link. So we have to do education as much as possible. Now, when we had spoke before after the uh, the panel discussion, we had talked about things that as MSPs, there seems to be a lot of things that we're not doing ourselves. And this is just going beyond the cybersecurity because I think a lot of it is that IT professionals are still not pushing cybersecurity as much as we should. Um, we shouldn't have to wait for the insurance industry to come along and tell our clients what to do. Uh, do you remember that discussion we were having and what were some of the things that we weren't doing? I'm trying to remember uh, getting back to that initial discussion. I think being able to 
explain and make a compelling case to clients so that they don't view everything we say as like, oh, you know, okay, Marv wants to sell me another $6 license for this or that. I, I think we have to um, acknowledge that we need to help our clients understand why they need to do things. And then when there are these security measures in place, I think we have to explain the benefit and how it helps a client so they're not just thinking, hey, oh, this is another annoying thing my IT team needs me to do for some, just because they're weird and want to torture people. So I think explaining it, motivating people, and um, and speaking respectfully to people as well. I don't know all about the latest changes in tax codes. I expect my accountant to know about that. And, um, you know, but I wouldn't want them talking down to me because, well, I can't believe you haven't read the new blah, blah, blah. And sometimes IT people can come across as condescending. Right. And that, that, that doesn't help the mission. Yeah, you filled out the 1099 MISC form and not the 1099B form, and then you got to file this 4658. What's wrong with you? Why don't you know these things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think those are all the correct terms because I just we just filed our extension a while back. <laughs> That's, that sounded like tax forms I've heard of. Um, what was your takeaway for what you think um, what MSPs need to do more of? Well, I think a lot of it from, you know, discussions that I've had from that uh, panel discussion is that you're right. Not only do we do not do a good enough job of explaining to customers why has why have things changed? And the other thing is explaining to them that stop looking at yourselves as a separate kind of target, you know, because you mentioned earlier, they're always like, well, you know, they're not coming after me. I don't have anything or we're, we're not, you know, big. Well, it's, it's not a matter of big or small. It's a matter of opportunity. You know, yeah. there are a lot of criminals that literally will walk around an area, businesses, homes, and they're looking for the easiest way in. So if you're not locking your doors and closing your windows at night, well, it's not that they were targeting you. You just provided them with an opportunity to walk into your house and take stuff or damage stuff or even worse. So that's how I've been trying to explain cybersecurity to clients is that it's, it's not a matter of who they're targeting and why. It's a matter of what's the least amount of resistance they have to do to get something. Yeah. Yeah. And you you don't want to be the unlocked car in the parking lot. Yeah. So I was just reading a, uh, uh, what is that app? The, the neighbor app. Um, I don't know if you're on that, but at least it's gotten big down here in my area where our neighbors are active and somebody in an adjoining division had their car stolen Hmm. and they were away for like three weeks, came back, their car was gone and they just said, hey, just be on the lookout if you've seen anything. If you have a camera on our street, you know, let me know. So, you know, and immediately the comment started was, did you lock it? What kind of car is it? How old is it? Was it yeah. easy to steal? And it's like, we could, you know, so many things that uh, people today just want to focus on. And look, folks, it's just, it's an opportunity. If somebody notices that, Hey, this car hasn't moved in three weeks. Maybe it's ripe yeah. for the taking. 
Yeah, yeah. And the whole, um, yeah, the blame the victim thing. I think maybe some of those questions might be around, well, I want to make sure it doesn't happen to me, so give me as much information as possible. Um, but some of it also turns to, well, you know, if you didn't lock it, like it's it's still a crime to steal something if it if it is unlocked. Right. And it's a it's a crime to spread ransomware onto a, a business's network. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot we can do to help. Um, yeah. Not be the unlocked car. Yeah. All right. Well, and I want to say thank you. Uh, so I'm, I keep looking at the picture on the front of your book. And uh, it's a pretty good uh, picture, I think, you know, having the person coming out of the notebook, having all the things there. And then, of course, the weights for the cyber fit. So uh, did they create that image or did you direct them on how to do that? Yeah, I kind of had my sort of idea for the book to make it approachable was to make it like a fitness program. Okay. You know, because, yeah, just, you know, follow this program. Um, you know, and you see them online and all the different uh, different diet books. So that that was a goal to make it sort of feel like a, okay, yeah, you know, a fitness. It's a fitness program. Would it uh, be an embarrassing question if I asked if you were into fitness? I'm. <laughs> I I aspire to be more into fitness, but I'm an avid hiker. Oh. I I hit ten thousand steps on my Fitbit every single day. So I get out and I love going out and and walking. I, I could be doing more um, for my, I'm, I'm not doing enough to get into the Olympics, but uh, I do 10,000 steps every day, lots of hiking, lots of time spent outdoors. And I, I'm a very strong believer and you really, um, we all have to take care of ourselves. I do go to boot camp, and I have, there's a picture of me on LinkedIn where I'm standing with the weights and a book at my gym. And there's the perfect um, sign, um, from the boot camp gym that says stronger than your excuses. Oh, and I, I'm posing in front of that because I think that's a message for small businesses too. You know, you, you, you can be stronger than your excuses. Nice. Nice. We'll have to find that picture and uh, use that as motivation. Great. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Ann Westerheim, PhD, need to throw that in there. Oh. Uh, Ikaru and her book, cybersecurity for main street, CyberFit in 21 Days. And I will have a link in the show notes that if you want to go and grab that, it'll be there. Uh, it is a book, Cybersecurity for You, Your Family, and Your Local Businesses. Uh, and thank you very much for the conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. We are going to uh, be back with another episode soon. Uh, I'm going to reach out to Ann to come back and join me more often. This is a good conversation. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Tune in Wednesdays, 8 p.m. for our live show. And, of course, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. Sign up in a podcatcher so that you can be alerted whenever these episodes come in, whether they are audio or video. And thank you to Ann for being today's guest. I will see you all back here soon. And until then, holla.